0: Years ago, I uncovered the mysterious missing persons case of Amy Lynn Bradley, who vanished on a cruise ship back in 1998. In this episode of Seriously Strange, we revisit this case and uncover more of the disturbing details behind it than I was originally able to. So turn off the lights, settle in, and don't forget to subscribe to my channel, because you won't want to miss what I have next. Now, let's begin. This is a case of an especially cautionary nature and is one that I covered briefly in one of my earliest episodes of Seriously Strange. It's been the better part of a decade since then, but unfortunately, Amy Lynn Bradley is still missing. It was late March of 1998. Amy Lynn Bradley and her family were enjoying a cruise ship vacation. It was a prize that Amy's father had won and was supposed to be a fun, carefree time, but it turned into the whole Bradley family's worst nightmare and into a mystery that has lingered and haunted America ever since. The Bradley family boarded the Rhapsody of the Seas, a cruise ship operated by Royal Caribbean. The ship itself had only taken its maiden voyage less than a year before Amy and her family took their trip. With the capacity to carry over 3,000 people, a cruise ship of its size is like a floating city on the ocean. The possibility of becoming lost is a good one if you don't know where you're going, or if there isn't someone around to assist you. Or even worse if there are people lurking on board who are looking to make sure you get lost to begin with amy was only 23 young beautiful with a long future ahead of her she'd recently graduated from college in virginia and had gotten a degree in physical education she lived an active lifestyle frequently playing basketball and working as a lifeguard on saturday march 21st of 1998 amy lynn bradley left aboard rhapsody of the seas from san juan puerto rico and traveled to the island of Aruba, where it arrived safely. Two days later, on March 23rd, it departed from Aruba, traveling in international waters. Its destination was Curaçao, Netherlands, Antilles. It was during the early hours of March 24th, while approaching Curaçao, that Amy Lynn Bradley vanished. The night prior to her disappearance, Amy had been hanging out with her brother Brad, and the two decided to drop by the ship's nightclub to do some dancing. A videographer who was also present in the nightclub was filming the venue and unknowingly captured some of the only evidence of the events that led up to Amy's disappearance. Watching the footage, you can see Amy dancing and enjoying herself. She had been drinking for quite some time by this point and was very likely more than a little intoxicated. During some of the footage, Amy can be seen dancing with the bass player of Blue Orchid, the ship's band, a man by the name of Alistair Douglas, who went by the nickname Yellow. This can be seen in footage as well. Amy didn't return to their room until around 3.40am where her father Ron awoke as she entered the room. Brad had already returned and told Amy that he loved her before retiring for the night. According to Ron, Amy claimed that she'd been feeling a bit seasick and wanted to get some fresh air while she slept, so she decided to sleep out on the room's balcony. Her father awoke again later, And looked out on the balcony through the closed glass door and could see amy asleep and as it was still early he ended up drifting back to sleep himself it was merely half an hour later at roughly 6am when ron woke up once more but this time the balcony door was open slightly and amy was gone amy wasn't the type to wake up that early in the morning especially after such little sleep He figured she must have gone to the top deck, so he wasted no time in heading up and looking for her, but he couldn't find her anywhere. The now worried father was confused, as Amy wasn't reckless like this. It was entirely unlike her to just up and leave and not say anything. Upon further investigation, Amy's family determined that she had clearly changed her clothes and had taken her cigarettes. It seemed as though she deliberately planned to go somewhere between 5.30 and 6.00 a.m., but no one had seen Amy leave or even where she was heading until a witness eventually was found. The witness claimed that she had seen Amy with Alistair Douglas, the bass player for the ship's band, and the two were walking together up to the deck above her. Around ten minutes later, Alistair returned by himself. Amy's brother Brad mentioned that shortly after Amy's disappearance, Alistair said that he, quote, felt bad about what happened to her, This was obviously more than a little odd for someone to say so early on when authorities hadn't even been alerted yet towards Amy's disappearance and a thorough search hadn't been conducted. According to Amy's family, the ship's crew were generally quite interested in her, more than they seemed to be in the average passenger. Her mother, Iva, recounted that a waiter of one of the ship's restaurants had approached her and Ron and asked where Amy was, because he and a few other people he knew wanted to take her to a place called Carlos and Charlie's. Despite feeling uncomfortable with the waiter's forwardness, once Amy returned to her parents, they relayed the message to their daughter. Amy immediately appeared unsettled and firmly stated that they were creepy and she wasn't going to go anywhere with them. Amy had also mentioned that Alistair Douglas had been hitting on her rather aggressively, and that she thought he was a jerk and had told him to back off. This makes the fact that she was seen with him at all, never mind the fact that he was the last person seen with her, even more bizarre and suspicious. But there was something even stranger that occurred involving the band. According to Amy's brother, Brad, he went to look for her after Ron awoke their mother at about 7 a.m. to tell her that he couldn't find Amy anywhere. Brad was soon approached by members of the band who said they were, quote, "...sorry to hear about his sister." but this was before anyone had been alerted that Amy was missing to begin with. Despite the consequent investigation, no one within the band has been deemed a suspect by authorities in Amy's disappearance. Her family pleaded with the crew of the ship to put out a message on the loudspeaker, but they refused to due to how early it was, and the ship was beginning to dock as it arrived in Curacao. The family begged for the crew not to drop the gangplank, not to let anyone off the ship, the crew was surprisingly resistant towards helping. They only made an announcement once most people had already disembarked for the day. Around lunchtime, the captain allowed the ship to be searched, yet nothing turned up. He told the family that he had searched every area of the ship and hadn't found Amy, so she must not have been on the ship anymore. When the family requested that he put out a photo of Amy, the captain refused, saying it would disturb the other guests. The captain went on to say that Amy had likely gone overboard, but that was highly unlikely for a couple of reasons. The first reason was that Amy was a very strong swimmer, but also, despite her love for the water, Amy was not fond of the open ocean and found it frightening to a degree that she wouldn't even step up to the railing on the side of the ship and had to be convinced to by her family when they assured her that they would hold on to her. Despite a four-day search by the Dutch Caribbean Coast Guard, who utilized three helicopters and a radar plane, there was no trace of Amy found anywhere. Amy's family believes that she was kidnapped and sold into sex slavery operating on the islands, and that she was still alive, and unfortunately... There's some evidence to support this theory, and an important piece of it came in the form of a lead from a man named David Carmichael, who had been visiting Curacao in August of 1998, about five months after Amy disappeared. David was at the beach when he spotted three people walking close by a young woman and two men who walked at her sides as though they may have been escorting her somewhere. The woman had two visible tattoos, a Chinese symbol and a Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball. Amy had four tattoos in total, a sun on her lower back, a gecko around her navel, and a Chinese symbol on her ankle. And on her shoulder was a baby Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball. There's no doubt this woman would have been Amy. The woman made eye contact with David as they got closer, and he later stated that she appeared as though she wanted his attention and was going to say something to him, but as soon as she tried, the men she was with forced her away, and David soon lost sight of her. It wouldn't be until nine months later, when David saw a segment on TV discussing Amy's disappearance, that he realized the woman he saw on the beach that day was definitely Amy Lynn Bradley. But this was far from the only lead. Another came from a US Navy officer in 1999. He was visiting a brothel when he was approached by a young woman who begged him for help. She said her name was Amy Bradley, but the officer had never heard of her. He told her that there was a naval ship very close by, just down the road, but she insisted that he didn't understand. She couldn't just leave on her own. But as the officer had no idea who she was, and no clue she was missing at all, and because he would have faced consequences if his superiors found out that he was in a brothel to begin with, he left. He later saw Amy on the cover of People magazine, much to his shock. The Bradley family was contacted in 1999 by a retired Navy SEAL named Frank Jones who claimed to have a number of capable professionals working beneath him who would be able to track down Amy's location and bring her home. The Bradley family put their faith and their money into Frank, who happily took the latter and blew it all on drinks and gambling instead of finding Amy. Eventually, he claimed to have found Amy and assured the Bradley family that he was preparing a rescue operation, but that it required additional funds. All in all, the Bradleys, with financial assistance, paid Frank over $200,000, for which he never delivered on a single promise. Thankfully, he was later charged, convicted, and ordered to pay back the money, as well as sentenced to five years in prison, but the family's time after Amy's disappearance was wasted. One lead in particular came years later, and remains to this day as one of the most shocking of them all. The Bradley family received an email from a sender who wished to remain anonymous seven years after Amy vanished. In the email, there were two photos that appeared to show Amy with long hair, wearing revealing clothing, and in suggestive poses. The photos came from a website for sexual escorts, and were found among many other photos of different women, with their names, or perhaps more accurately pseudonyms, beneath each set of photos. One in particular stood out to the sender, a woman labeled Jass and the Bradley family believes that these photos are likely of Amy herself. And they're far from alone. Many forensic specialists have also examined the photos and images of Amy and have concluded that, when measuring certain features of the face that don't change over time, it's a solid match. It's impossible to confirm if the woman named Jass and Amy are truly one and the same, and it's unlikely it will ever be found out either. Also in 2005, seven years after Amy's disappearance, a woman named Judy Maurer was in a department store restroom in Barbados. Three men entered the restroom, escorting a woman who they began to threaten once inside, telling her that they'd kill her if she didn't follow through on a deal. Once the men had stepped out of the restroom, Judy approached the woman, who was clearly distraught, to make sure she was okay. The woman told Judy her name was Amy, and that she was from Virginia. And it was at that point that the three men stormed back into the bathroom and took Amy away. Judy contacted authorities and provided a description of the three men of which composite sketches were made, yet all three men have never been identified. Some sources claim that other sightings of Amy occurred within the vicinity of the department store that same day, potentially with a fourth man escorting Amy with the others. They all allegedly walked in a fashion which kept her surrounded. Unfortunately, nothing has come from this lead. As time has passed, more leads have surfaced, yet most have quickly fizzled out. But one potential answer to Amy's condition arrived over a decade after she vanished. But tragically, due to a lack of care from authorities, it was never investigated and was especially discouraging and upsetting. A jawbone washed up on the shore in Aruba, in 2010 however due to the international attention natalie holloway was receiving due to her disappearance authorities only checked to see if the jawbone belonged to natalie and once they determined that it wasn't hers instead of testing it for one of the other missing persons cases they had before them they chose not to test it further and so the potential closure for the bradleys or any other suffering families desperate for answers regarding their lost loved ones was snuffed out. The Bradley family has endured immense heartache and have had their hopes shattered many times in their search for Amy, and on March 24, 2010, 12 years to the day after her disappearance, Amy Lynn Bradley was declared legally dead, yet the Bradley family still holds on to hope that they will one day be reunited with Amy. The FBI is currently offering a $25,000 reward for any information that could lead to the recovery of Amy Lynn Bradley or to an arrest conviction for those responsible for her disappearance. The Bradley family is also offering a $250,000 reward for any information that leads to the safe return of Amy and $50,000 for information leading to her current location. If you have any information regarding the whereabouts or disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley, please contact your local FBI office or your country's nearest American embassy or consulate. Thank you all for watching. I hope you enjoyed the revisiting of this case. Thanks again for watching, and I'll see you next time. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange Podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange Podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.